Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Career Talks podcast. As always, I'm your host, Orlando Haynes. It's been a bit. Uh, I kind of jump in, jump back out, jump back in, jump back out, but I got to get more consistent uh, because the guests here are just phenomenal. So uh, that's the one thing you should know about coming to Career Talks, that the guests are insane. Their their expertise, the level of delivery and takeaways you'll get from each episode is phenomenal. So uh, tune in definitely uh, each week, maybe some off weeks. You know, we're coming up on the holiday, but we'll see how that goes. But uh, let us know where you're coming in from. If you've seen the flyer, you know who we're going to be talking to today. Uh, this is a crucial topic, especially in the current economic and job market we're in. Uh, so definitely, definitely tune in. Have some questions. I'll field those questions uh, to Nada, and then we'll we'll kick things off. But before we do that, uh, this episode is sponsored by the Career Accelerator Planner. It's a planner I created with my co-creator, Karen Turner, uh, where you can track your performance, your projects, and your value all in one place, especially again now with what's going on, all the tech layoffs and things like that. You want to make sure you don't leave your intellectual potential um, in that cubicle or office that you were dismissed from. Take those things with you. This is where you can track all the things that you've done. Uh, and so you're better prepared for those crucial conversations like uh, salary negotiations, merit increases, and even career transitions. So definitely uh, go ahead and take a look at that. You can grab one from the careeraccelerateplanner.com. So on to this amazing young lady who I've been following on LinkedIn for a while, uh, seeing her content. Definitely enjoyed seeing it from afar, uh, and I just had to reach out from her. She's hailing from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Uh, she is a certified master career coach and the creator and founder of Unleash Your Awesome. Phenomenal program. We were just talking uh, before uh, we were going live here and just the impact she's having on folks. I think, and she'll correct me, with some specialty in product management. Her background's also as an IT consultant with about 15 years of experience. But without further ado, let me bring this young lady on, Ms. Nada Buhindi. How are you? I'm great. And I love how you say young lady, because if people knew how <laughs> old I was, it wouldn't be that young. But anyway, I appreciate that. <laughs> no worries. No, I can say that because I, I know I'm older. I know I'm older. <laughs> there you go. Um, younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So actually, it's not just product management that um, I help people transition to. And I love saying that simply because um, I'm a firm advocate of not assuming or pigeonholing anyone into a particular profession. Um, the magic is really about understanding your career archetype because everyone has a career archetype. Um, and then determining what is the best role out there that aligns with you versus you trying to bend yourself into basically a square peg. Um, so I've had clients who transition into a variety of roles, whether it is from the product side, you know, product management, business analysis, um, from the relational side um, in tech, it is mostly um, scrum master, agile coach. But um, within the people and culture side as well, whether it's within HR, employee engagement, um, learning consultant, um, I've even had people within finance and my goodness, the list will go on. But um, yeah, it's all about finding the right fit for you rather than you trying to basically make yourself bend 
to what you know organizations are looking for. Awesome, awesome. So, uh, before we dive do too deep into this uh, this topic, uh, share a little bit more about your background because you have a unique story, and I encourage folks to go to her website, uh, which is just her name dot com, uh, com. You'll you'll see a little more about it. But go ahead and share that with us. Absolutely. So you know. I'm very well known for my origin story and how I quit over text. And a lot of people cheer for me for doing that. Um, but the reality is there was a lot of sadness behind it. Um, and I, okay, so this is on record. I definitely do not recommend that anyone follows the approach of quitting <laughs> over text because there are consequences to that approach. However, I do advocate for the sentiment behind it around advocating for yourself and not staying in a situation that doesn't serve you. Um, but what happened was, yes, I um, sadly quit over text and it was mostly because there was a lot of buildup in terms of me feeling unhappy with my role, trying to pretend that I was happy. Mm. And when we bottle things up, it actually causes us to do things that um, may not be in um, the best approach possible, right? So um, I remember sending my uh, boss this text while I was in a meeting <laughs> because I was just so fed up. <laughs> I was just fed up. I felt disrespected. There were many events that led to that point. Um, and when that happened, um, it did feel like a weight lifted off my shoulders. And for the first time, I faced the root cause of a problem rather than running away with it, which is the fact that even though everything looked good on paper and everyone um, you know, gave me the feedback about how lucky I was, you know, making six figures, how lucky I was, you know, moving up, you know, the organizational ladder at such a, you know, fast speed. Um, at the end of the day, none of that mattered. What mattered was that I was miserable. I was unhappy. I was bored and I wasn't fulfilled. Mm. Um, and the truth is I did not do that earlier. I did not take the action of figuring out what I wanted earlier because I, I mean, everyone here probably agrees with the dread of going through the motions of looking for a job. They don't really teach you that in school. Um, <laughs> nope. I wasn't doing it in the most effective way. I didn't know how to go about it. And I was also comfortable. I didn't want to give up a six-figure salary, truthfully. Um, and I didn't know what else I could do. So um, when it got to the point where it was just unbearable, that is when I engaged my current uh, or my career coach. I still call her my current career coach because truly she is a mentor that I still talk to. Mm. And she trained me to become a master career coach. But um, I decided to ask for help. And it's so funny because um, a lot of us think of getting help when we are physically in pain, when we are in emotional distress, we go and see a therapist. But for some reason, we neglect our career and we don't ask for help. Um, and, you know, I thought the concept of engaging a career coach was, you know, not, um, I, well, why would I need a career coach, right? Mm -hmm. and when, I did, when I did, it was like day and night. And it's not just any career coach because I did engage a number of them. And um, unfortunately, 
it was mostly about let's just get your resume done and get you applying. No one asked me that question that made me think and made me face the elephant in, in the room. Um, and so when I worked with um, you know my client, my uh, career coach Kara, um, we looked at different opportunities. We looked at different roles. Um, I probably was one of the most difficult clients. She's gonna be she's gonna be nice and tell you that's not the case, but I'm pretty sure I was. Not I you. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because her and I met in San Francisco, um, April of this year, and I asked her, "Did you ever think I would be a career coach?" <laughs> <laughs> and she said, truthfully, I didn't think that was the case, but. Um, I knew that either you would end up in entrepreneurship or you would, you know, only be happy if you were at a director level role. Um, but yeah, it was not, it was not an easy process. It wasn't like one of those movies where you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh my God, I want to be an astronaut. Right. No, I hate to, to break it to everyone. That wasn't the case for me. There was a lot of fear and there was a lot of basically how do I say this lack of clarity and baggage that was blocking me from figuring out what I wanted. Mm. Um, so the pivotal point for me was actually January, 2020. I had a very high fever. I, now that I went through COVID officially, I, I know that it, it was COVID, but no one knew that it was a, at that time because the pandemic wasn't announced then. And um, my boyfriend at the time and I had this crazy, you know, disagreement. My, you know, sometimes when you get a fever, it messes with your brain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to put it that way. Yeah, I was like, no, she didn't just blame it on that. <laughs> like I say in the story, I'm not a relationship coach, so I'm not going to even go there. But um, I was in a in a very, very bad state, like. Think, think, no job, unemployed, haven't been employed for like two months. The, you know, we just went through the holidays, um, running out of money, very broke, shuffling, you know, money from one credit card to another, looking for a credit card that I haven't used yet <laughs> that I could use to pay for things. And, and going through sort of like a, I don't know, midlife crisis at that point, mm -hmm. sort of, um, you know, and, and just getting on a call with my, my um, career coach at the time and just saying, hey, you know, I know that we looked at all these jobs, but guess what? I'm not interested in any of them. Mm -hmm. And I really need to get a job right now. And I have a high fever and my boyfriend left me. And the poor woman, you know, <laughs> that's like a lot of problems to solve in one session. <laughs> you, you mentally were not in the space to accept anything at that point. I was not in a state to yeah. deal with anything, to accept anything, to even think. And she tried to get me to do this meditation exercise to see if there was another way to get to get through to me. Mm -hmm. And um, I was checked out. I was checked out. She was like, where do you imagine yourself after this meditation exercise? <laughs> Hoping that a light bulb would go off. And all I could say was on a beach because at the time, you know, I, I was immersed in the um, dance, Latin dance industry. And I was dancing a lot to sort of um, cope with my job <laughs> dissatisfaction. 
And I pictured myself in Miami on a beach, you know, dancing salsa. So that's that's all that she could get out of me. <laughs> got it. Got it. <laughs> so, that so, yeah, immediately went to a, somewhat of a happy place. And that, that was it. <laughs> that was it. There was nothing tangible that came out of it. But the next morning, maybe it is some of that woo-woo stuff that we did that came together along with mm -hmm. the self-reflection that I did with her. And the light bulb went off and I realized, you know what, out of everything that I did in my career, and I was a jack of all trades, like I did product management, I did um, agile coaching, I did business analysis, I did UX design work, um, I did, you know, um, in, in, in delivery and implementation, you know, leadership work. Um, and out of all of that, the common thread to me was my joy for teaching people. Mm -hmm. I've always been told that I was, you know, a great teacher and my love for coaching people and empowering them. Just, you know, I mean, it, you can tell from the way that I quit over text, I'm all about <laughs> changing the status quo. Yeah. <laughs> and as an agile coach, you do that a lot, right? You do that a lot in terms of empowering teams to change their ways of working, advocating for them. But I just knew that um, maybe it was just the wrong context. I wanted yeah. to remain a coach, but I just didn't think that agile coaching was it for me. Um, being in the confines of the organization, it's hard to actually advocate for the individual. At the end of the day, you're hired by the company. You have to work in the company's best interest mostly and, and help them become profitable. So I knew that was probably the wrong um, um, you know, a way for me to go. Um, but um, like I coach everyone, you, you take on jobs for a reason. It's not all wrong. There's an element of it that you got right. And you need to figure out what part of it you got right. And so I knew that was the part I got right, that it was coaching. Mm -hmm. um, so after Karen and I talked, um, <laughs> she said, yeah, you know, there are three types of coaching that I can think of. Obviously, you know, um, relationship coaching, um, career coaching and uh, life coaching. And we all we, we both agree that relationship coaching is not it for me <laughs> <laughs> after that story. So I, I thought, yeah, you know, it does make sense. It does make sense. Career coach does make sense. I can see all the transferable skills there mm -hmm. and having the support system from Kara and the mentorship made me feel more confident. So I went for it and awesome. first client made a huge splash. Of course, I, as you know, I transitioned my career, just like anyone who transitions their career, I had a lot of imposter syndrome. Um, but the first client that I worked with actually helped me realize that that was what I was meant to do because I empowered him to advocate for himself and land a six-figure salary despite being told by recruiters that, oh, you do not have Canadian experience and you got to accept low-paying roles. I mean, the guy was head of IT in Nigeria, I, not under my watch. There was no way I was going to allow him to accept that role. So once he did um, achieve his goal, I realized, wow, this is actually cool. I want to keep doing this. Awesome. And that's <laughs> a great segue. It's a great segue because we have questions coming in uh, yeah. for the certified master coach. So uh, we have two, Michelle 
uh, answer or ask her a question first, and then we'll go to Ramon. I appreciate you two for, jo for joining. Um, Michelle asks, is it premature to think about changing jobs during some organizational changes occurring in the current role? Wow. Well, first of all, you know, I'm just going to call you out, Michelle, because I know you. <laughs> <laughs> so let's not pretend here that we don't know each other. But um, in terms of your questions, you know, um, like what what do you feel? Why do you feel it is premature? And what sort of organizational changes are you referring to? Would you be able to clarify that? So if you can type that in, Michelle, if you're still watching, that'd be great. I'll move on to Ramon's. Uh, he's asking, is it post mature to agonize over a bad work relationship where everyone is leaving out the door? Okay. Um, I'm just going to make assumptions since it's a bit difficult to engage with people. All right. So my interpretation of what you mean by post-mature um, and, and worrying about, you know, a bad working relationship, um, I'm going to assume that um, you are done with that, you know, role and you left because I'm guessing it is post-mature, but I'm also going to address the scenario if you were still in the organization. Um, I would definitely encourage you to not dwell, you know, over the past. And I definitely encourage you to focus on yourself rather than overly focusing on everyone that's around you. Um, I, I can personally tell you as well from someone who went through, um, you know, non-ideal, working relationships and how those impacted me, you're going to go through a grieving period. And that is normal. I know having gone through that, you know, I've dealt with cases of, you know, harassment in the workplace, uh, whether it was sexual harassment, racism, you know, that sort of thing. And I openly say this because people are terrified of talking about these things. And I think it's important for people to know that that exists and you're not alone. Right. It happens despite all the HR regulations out there, it still happens. Um, and so don't feel bad about the fact that this is impacting you. And I definitely encourage you to talk to someone that you trust about what happened to get it out of your system. Um, as well as a professional, because you need to process that stuff. If you don't process it, you're just going to take it from one job to another. Um, I know that in one of my roles, I dealt with something horrible and um, it stayed with me for a while in my next roles and even starting my career coaching business. And until I resolved it, that's when I felt um, I was more productive and I was at my best. It's always good not to burn bridges, right? I always tell people to um, always remember that whatever action others take, it's, it's a reflection on them mostly, not a reflection on you. Don't blame yourself for it. You can be constructive in a way that you want to analyze what happened and um, ask yourself, what did I learn from it? Not, not oh my God, I wish I, I did this and if I blah, blah, blah and, and, and dwell on the past, but more think of it as, okay, this is data for me to understand why I reacted that way. Maybe I should be in a different work environment. These are my values. 
And also, what did I learn? Ask yourself, what did I learn? Not, I regret what I did, but more like, what did I learn? So that you can act differently. So um, as you, okay. Yeah. Uh, so as you're coaching folks, uh, and uh, again, appreciate the question, Ramon. As you're coaching folks, what are some of the early signs that you're seeing? Is there a common theme to where they're thinking, should I stay or should I go? And two, part two to that would be, um, do you think most folks ignore those signs? Yeah, and I guess this is related uh, as well to our topic um, mm -hmm. in terms of making the decision of there are people around me who are leaving. Is this an indicator that I should do something about it? Um, it depends on how large the organization is, first of all because I worked at very massive organizations where every department was felt like a completely different company. <laughs> so yeah, seriously. I mean, when you think of companies like Amazon or Google yep. or consulting firms, you know, like Deloitte and Accenture, which I was part of, um, it's almost like a collection of companies, you know, because mm. every department is responsible for different products, different services. They're staffed, you know, by different people. And sometimes these departments don't even interact. So don't get discouraged if you are in this situation. If everything is good in your world and this other department gets affected, don't necessarily get discouraged because maybe the way that that department is being run is different it has nothing to do with yours. And sometimes if it's a new department that gets launched, maybe it was launched prematurely, maybe the way it was staffed, you know, it led to these issues. Maybe it was just not a huge priority on the company's roadmap, you know? So I would not put a lot of weight into that. Um, however, if in within your world, there are people who are leaving. And this is again, why I encourage people to not treat you know, work like a mechanical process, you know, really focus on building relationships with this, with these people. And you should be close enough to feel comfortable reaching out to them and asking them truly, like, why do people feel like weird about, you know, having these conversations with their colleagues? There's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with that. And you can collect data like a good researcher and make your decisions based on these facts. Sometimes there are things that happen behind the scenes that, um, you know, you, you don't know who's right or wrong, right? But at the end of the day, I would say focus on what's right for you, not what's right for everyone else and based on other people's reactions. So you made a good point there. You said that it can be a department issue, mm -hmm. not necessarily a company issue. Yeah. So you can think about making the transition internally versus exiting the, the company altogether. Or you or maybe you don't need to do that at all because mm -hmm. maybe your department is not impacted and it may be a high performing department that's literally the the bread and butter of the entire business. So why would you, you know, worry if if that is the case? I mean, I know I read, for example, and I've seen this actually in on LinkedIn as well that um, you know, companies like Amazon and Google were experimenting with particular products that weren't launched. 
And those teams were spending a lot of time, you know, working on those experimentation products. Um, and they flopped. They just, there was no interest for them. So obviously the people who are working on these products, you know, got impacted. Yep. But let's say there is an, a winning, you know, product for a lack of better example. Let's say the people who are working on the Google search engine, right? Like these people are working on a product that is important to the business. They're not affected. So I wouldn't compare yourself to what happened, unfortunately, to those other people. Got it. That makes sense. So when it comes to more more common things, because that was a good point uh, to where people are deciding, what are some other points that may pop up or again that you've seen through your coaching that folks are like, is this the reason why it should go? Is it toxic environment? Is it pay? Mm -hmm. Is it lack of mobility? What are some some of the things you're you're experiencing through your coaching? Yeah. So I'm going to take it layer by layer. I'm going to start with um, the toxicity component, which is the relational and the people component side of things. Um, you want to ask yourself first, you know, do you, do you enjoy the people that you're working with? Do you have a good relationship with your boss? <laughs> relationship with boss is key. If you have a shaky relationship with your boss, it's going to be very, very hard for you. Very hard. Mm. I truly believe the bosses are meant to be mentors. They're not meant to be like police officers, you know, who put you or your parole officer, like, right? Yeah. That's not how it's supposed to be. If it feels that way, that's a sign of toxicity. Um, there are situations where there's like competition almost between the boss and the um, individual. And I find that happens when you are at a level that is lower where you than you should be. And so the boss ends up feeling threatened. And again, I'm openly talking about this because this is normal human behavior. This is like stuff that act, relational stuff that actually happens that people don't talk about. But the reality is when you are dealing with two individuals who have a relationship and there is, um, you know, a gain for them, obviously the gain is to progress in their career at the organization. Um, and there is a situation where the person is put in the wrong place. Um, and they're put in a place where they should be in their boss's place, um, friction happens, right? Um, so a sign is when your boss constantly, you know, undermines your ideas, um, micromanaging. Um, always, how I know a boss is a good boss is the way they handle your mistakes, honestly. Yep. It's not just your wins. It's actually your mistakes. There needs to be an appetite for experimentation and there needs to be guidance and safety that when you make a mistake, they have your back and they try to um, guide you differently. Mm -hmm, and if mm -hmm. there's a lot of blame on you when you make mistakes and very little guidance, again, that's not a healthy environment. So that is the people toxicity sort of culture aspect. Um, of course, there are situations where you're dealing with other team members that you may not get along with. Um, and in that situation, I always encourage people to, um, you're always going to deal with difficult people. So this is a great opportunity for you to exercise the muscle. As long as you have your boss's backing, 
Um, and um, in general, you know, you're, you're, uh, you have a good time working with your team. Don't let one or two people, right, yeah. Um, yeah. affect things. Um, but again, you know, um, depending on your relationship with your boss, if they have your back, that shouldn't be a problem. But if they don't, that could also manifest into issues in the future. And actually, that is, was related to why I quit over text. Um, wow. Yeah, really, it was. I was on a project where um, I was already um, performing at a higher level than a person who was leading the program from another office. But because of a political situation, he had to be the, employ uh, the, um, the engagement lead or the lead of the entire project. So he was not giving me the space to own my part of the project, was stepping on my toes. And he, and after being away for a day and coming back, I found that he canceled all of my meetings without telling me, right? Wow. Um, as an agile coach, my responsibility is to facilitate particular ceremonies like daily standups and retrospectives and uh, particular sessions. And it was my responsibility to put the guideline on how my teams, you know, um, collaborate together. Right. And so when this person was going into the micro level versus stepping back and looking at the macro level and constantly, you know, um, basically getting to that level where he was correcting what I was doing, undermining what I was doing, that caused a lot of toxicity. And when I did not have the support from the leadership team to handle that, that situation, um, and it was repeated, right? And that's the other thing that you want to ask yourself, is this situation constantly repeating? Did you voice your concerns? Did you try to work things out? If you did everything you could, then that could also be an indication that it is time to leave. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a phenomenal point. And something you said earlier, um, I think it's good to know. If you're a people leader, right, and you're at the, the table with more senior leaders and you're having conversations, I would definitely advise folks to really listen on how they speak about other people in various departments. Um, one of the things that stuck out for me throughout my career, if I've heard a senior leader uh, kind of linger on something on a person's performance that happened five months ago, six months ago, and it's time for performance performance reviews and things like that. And it's brought up in the present time when there's no, when that action has been corrected, that lets me know like, wow, they're really still harping on what's happened so long ago, but they're bringing it up in present time. And they're kind of holding that grudge or that as a, as a barrier for them to evolve and improve and move up. So I just advise, you know, people leaders to really listen when you're at that table and listen to how other leaders speak of their team members. I think they kind of tell them themselves if they're, you know, if they're truly leading and developing a team versus holding on to past, you know, mistakes, simple mistakes that were corrected. Um, that's something that I've learned again throughout that time. I was like, wow, I, I knew for a fact I don't want to work for that person's organization in their organ or department because they will hold, in, in essence, grudges if you made a mistake. I'm like, that is not that's not a great that is not leave. a good sign. That's not yeah. a good sign at all. And I got to say also, let's not confuse your inability of expressing your needs and then getting mm -hmm. disappointed because your needs haven't been expressed with you thoughtfully 
um, asking for support and not getting it. Because sometimes I have situations where people get upset about things happening in the workplace and them not getting support when they did not voice their needs. The other thing that I don't want people to be confused about is um, while depending on where what level you are in the organization, you will have more say around the business goals and objectives. So if you disagree, if you are at a level where you're not the CEO, right, or you're a lot lower than that, and you disagree with the company's direction and the business goals, okay, well, now you're mm -hmm. sort of crossing the line here because this is not your company. You need to remember that. I mean, <laughs> this is why I started my own company <laughs> because I can't that's, deal. That's a tough one. That is a tough one. <laughs> because I can't deal with... Um, you know, the direction that sometimes, you know, company go in. Mm -hmm. The truth is this is their house, right? The board and the founders and the CEO, you know, they get to decide if they want to be profitable or if they, or if their direction now is to retain customers, if they want to invest in this product versus that product, you don't necessarily have as much say in that. So you need to respect their decision and you need to act as a guide. This is why you were hired to support the shareholder and the CEO's business goal and business vision. And so if you're clashing over that, well, you know, that's a, that's an issue. That's honestly, that's on you and you need to decide maybe, 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 yeah, maybe you do need to leave the company. Um, if you're really adamant on that and you don't want to respect that, because it's kind of like when I, if I think about it, it's like how I also engage with clients. Um, your customers are not just your external facing customers. Your customers are also, you know, the people that you report into mm -hmm. and, we always want to um, align with what the customer needs, not what we think is right for the customer. So let's say if I had a coaching client and I knew, I knew deep in my heart that the career that would really make them happy would be product management. And I had a client in that situation, um, but they tell me, no, I wanna go for agile coach. I'm not going to sit there and say, no, you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't go for that. I got to respect them. And my job is to provide them the best approach to get there. So you as an employee, your job is to support the um, CEO and, and, and uh, shareholders goals. Your job is to find the best process to help them get there. Depending on at what level you're at, mm -hmm. you get to be part of the strategy and the framework. Um, but at the end of the day, you've got to support the high level goals. And if you can't, that's something you need to find out in the interview. And maybe this is not the right job for you. Now, here's a question for that. Now, as you move up, like you said, if you're, you know, if you're a director, or senior VP, VP, et cetera, moving up, wouldn't that be expected at some point? Because, Absolutely. right, you're not going to agree um, with everything, whether it's ethical or whatever the product launch, whatever you said um, 100% of the time. So at some point, you're signing on to say, I'm going to disagree with something, but I still have to raise the flag of support and push the message forward. So my decision to should I stay or should I go necessarily, unless it's egregious and really something that's against your core values, 
But for the most part, it's going to come up in your career path at some point. Yeah. And it's kind of like any relationship, right? Um, at the end of the day, we don't make decisions on behalf of people. Mm -hmm. We let them make their decisions. We give them the pros and cons. It's, it's our responsibility um, to provide the pros and cons of each decision that they're looking into. It's our responsibility to recommend, you know, the decision that we see fit. But at the end of the day, whoever is impacted by the decision, you know, and it's a little bit hard to sort of articulate because, you know, teams also get impacted, obviously. But um, your job at the end of the day is to act as a trusted advisor. No matter at, at what level you are in the company, you're there to guide. You have to think about it that way. And at some point, yeah, you know, you will you will be faced with with supporting a decision that you may not agree with. Um, and you can try as much as possible to articulate the reasons. And when you do that well, the tendency is to um, listen to what you're saying. It's like when a client comes to me and says, oh, I really want to do this. And when I say, OK, well, here's what what what's going to happen if you do this. And they're like, oh, man, no, I don't want to deal with these consequences. I'm like, great. And I tr I firmly believe if you are so great at, at doing that, you're going to get your way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but you also need to be OK at some point with certain de decisions not being listened to. And this is where um, if it gets to the point where it truly, truly, truly conflicts with your values and you don't feel fulfilled with the approach, there is nothing wrong with leaving. Mm -hmm. But don't be that person who stays and is disgruntled, oh, they never listened to me, you know, blah, 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 right? Right, right. Um, yeah. I would ask the, the folks that are watching, um, just put in the chat if you've ever stayed somewhere too long and then kind of, if you can, put why. Was it because the pay was good? You had great relationships, but you knew you stayed too long in a, in a company. So if you can drop that in, say, yes, I stayed too long. Uh, and here's why I love to get your feedback on that, um, on that as we, as we move forward in the conversation. So with that, and when it comes to that, that space, correct, there's a thin space right there where you're deciding, uh, as we were just talking about that, Hey, I'm disagreeing with some of the decisions. It's rubbing me the wrong way, but Yet and still, you decide to stay. And then the flip, we'll talk about um, going through that process of leaving. But what have you seen of, or even personal where you felt you were sta you stayed just one month or <laughs> one year too long? You were like, this was not, this was not a good decision. <laughs> and Gosh. why? Why did you stay? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm answering that question, right? Mm-hmm. I hope I don't get sued. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I'm no, not going to mention company names. No company names. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I'm so tempted, but Co company A. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. But you don't even put um, a time frame around it, so they track it on your LinkedIn profile. Don't even do that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, 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 every, I have good relationships with my previous bosses. I mean, you know, the funny thing is, the boss whom I sent that text that I quit. He messaged me like two weeks ago. We're buddies. 
Um, truthfully, you know, and, and it's not a it's not a reflection necessarily of the organization. And this is what I tell people. Don't take mm -hmm. it personally. Right. I think the problem is people take it way too personally that causes all this sort of, you know, guilt and and um, confusion. The truth is we are all different human beings with different needs. And sometimes when we enter a relationship, you can have perfectly two human beings um, and, you know, they're great, but they may have different goals. They may have different needs and they just are not meant to be together on a team or in, a, in, in any kind of relationship. And that was the case for me. That was the case for me. There were pockets of, you know, moments where I felt, oh my God, this is amazing. Like I'm, I'm exactly where I need to be. But 90% of the time, 90% of the time, I'm not even joking. Every single organization that I was part of, I felt that I stayed there too long. And, and a big part of it wasn't necessarily the organization at fault. We all need to take ownership of the fact that we need to voice our needs and be honest about our needs. Mm. I have clients sometimes who come to me and sugarcoat the fact that they want a six-figure salary. They feel, oh my God, it makes me look so materialistic if I say that. I'm like, why? Just be honest. Right. It's okay if you want a fancy car. I'm not going to judge you for that, you know? <laughs> It's okay. You you can want things. There's nothing wrong with that. Everyone is different. And I get my clients to do an exercise called Moving Motivators. It's actually from my Agile Toolkit um, from Management 3.0. Um, my Agilists may have heard of it, where we look at different intrinsic motivators, like the need for status, the need for freedom, the need for control. And depending on what those motivators are, you may fit in a particular career archetype that would thrive in a particular role in a particular environment. And when you learn that, it's going to make your life so much easier. So what I didn't realize <laughs> throughout my career, I mean, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. We thrive on driving things and we thrive on chaos and instability right mm. if if my if every day of my you know work day is the same i'll get bored yep. in fact yep. my boss used to take me for these long walks and he'd say i need to keep you busy because if i don't you're going to get yourself into trouble <laughs> <laughs> that's so, true yeah and, and people are commenting too so they, this is great so we have christine who said yes she stayed uh basically for great relationships, benefits, and loyalty. Uh, Linda says she stayed way too long. Uh, it was a family, some, I think it's a family business. She's saying uh, it was passed over for several opportunities. Um, who else is saying Brad says, yep. Touch the great. Oh, he says touch on the great point of ops managers may generally uh, general manager. And I don't share the same management philosophies. Yep. So that's good. Appreciate you, Brad. Uh, as well as Ursula, she said, yep, stay too long. Great relationships that laid off when I, uh, I had left. And uh, we have a question from Sukana. If I'm pronouncing your name correctly, I apologize. She says, how to deal with managers that blow up small mistakes into big issues? Great oh, my question. God. Woo. Oh, my God. I dealt with that as an Lee, no, no. <laughs> Oh, my God. It was awful. It was awful. But something that I 
coach people to do is to learn the disk assessment. So look it up. It's a disk. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a DISC um, of every team member and even their boss and even their interviewer when they're interacting with people. Um, when you do that, you realize it's it's the person's chemistry and makeup and has nothing to do with you. I worked with someone who was that way, and I realized that because they had anxiety issues, has had nothing to do with me. They blew things that were small because they were anxious mm -hmm. and also because they were getting a lot of pressure from the top. And instead of absorbing that energy, which could lead me to explode, right? I realize, okay, this person is going through one of those moments. So let me take them for a coffee. Let me understand what's going on and what is causing that. And when I did that, it helped me manage it better. Um, depending on what the person's disc assessment is, the way their communication style is going to be different, just like how there are different love languages, right? right. It's the same thing in the workplace. Um, people who are drivers, and I got that feedback a lot. It's like, oh my God, you sound so pissed, or you're, you're, you're like saying things so quickly, or uh, you get right into it. It's like, you don't care about us. I'm like, yeah, because I'm the kind of person who's a driver. That's my disc personality. So I'm always like, let's get to the point. I don't want to go through all that small talk, but it doesn't mean that I don't care. Gosh, I'm probably one of those people who will cry over like silly things. Um. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely add to that. Um, if that's something, if you did exactly what uh, Nada said and you got clarity, the flip side is if you didn't get clarity in that, that manager, him or her still seemed a bit abrupt and kind of short with you. Next thing I would tell you is to have a skip level um, conversation to see if that's a pattern um, that's that's been you know reported about this manager. But yeah, definitely dig in initially have that conversation because you might be able to level set with him or her. And that's all it was. And the respect level can go through the roof for you to be like, you know what? I'm glad you, you know, you pulled me to the side and was willing to have a conversation with me. So great advice uh, from Nada to really say, hey, first approach the individual, approach your Absolutely. manager and just find out what the root cause is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've seen a lot of people go straight to HR and I'll tell mm -hmm. you, I've gone through that route myself. Some of my clients have gone through that route. Remember that HR, you know, works for the organization's um, best interest. There are HR, you know, um, basically uh, departments that are that are really, really great at being sort of the third party and mm -hmm. um, managing situations neutrally. But I always, always, always encourage people to try to address it themselves first. It's almost like if you had this noisy neighbor and you just call the cops on them. Now you pass, you know, by them in the hallway every day, like it's gonna be awkward, right? <laughs> Versus, you know, you just... hey, uh, I don't know if you're aware, but you're kind of, you know, sometimes I can hear you through the walls. Oh, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I didn't know that, yeah, yeah. right? So that's how I, you know, recommend um, people deal with it. and. Be prepared also that when you have that skip level conversation, they'll tell you, did you talk to, to them first before you came to me? Um, also be prepared mm -hmm. that they may not do, they, you may not get the solution. 
because that person may be the way they are, um, depending on where they are in the ladder, they may be protected, you know, mm -hmm. by that mm -hmm. manager. So be prepared for all of those situations um, and try as much as possible to not take it personally. And remember that it's on them, not you, uh, for them behaving the way they do. But if it gets to the level where it's very toxic, I mean, you know, you, you, you need to think about an exit plan as well. So we have another question, comment and question from Christine. She says, some people are great at getting recognition, uh, even when they are not the best performer and their hard workers are often overlooked because they don't excel at getting recognized. How do you achieve this balance by advocating for yourself and getting recognized for your efforts? Story of my life. <laughs> Thank you for the question. A story of my life. And I'm going to tell you right now, and this is what I tell everyone, even when it comes to interviews, one of my clients, you know, she, she just said to me last night that she got an offer as a product manager. Um, first of all, new to Canada, immigrated to Canada and never had the title as a product manager, used to be a physician for many years. And she was, and she at first didn't think she was going to be able to land a product manager role, but you know what helped her the most? And I say this with all confidence, sure. 20% of it was her following my process and, you know, storytelling and advocating for herself and branding, but um, 80% of it was the relationships she was building in these interviews, how she was getting to know people. She literally was chit-chatting the recruiter who was helping her through the process and bonding over the fact that they were both new to the country, the fact that they both had health backgrounds. Um, people underestimate the um, relationship building factor. What was often happening to me that did not get me recognized, even though I was working like three times harder than everyone else, was the fact that I wasn't going for drinks with everyone. Mm. I was just putting my head down, trying to get my work done, thinking that, oh, if I make that sacrifice, I'm going to get respected more. But I actually wasn't respected more. In fact, I was seen as the one who was stepping on everyone's toes and trying to look better than everyone else. Right. So. Um, I wonder if a big reason why you're not getting that recognition has to do with your relationship with your peers and your boss. So I would encourage you to look that. The second thing that I would encourage you to do is really get good at journaling all of the things that you, the wins that you create on the job, having a clear, um, how do I call it? 30, 60, 90 day plan. And I, I hear that Orlando has a really good book that you should, you know, Absolutely. look into. <laughs> How, you know, I was going to jump in there. I was like, career accelerator planner. Go right yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You got to, you got to just, you know, um, a mistake that people make is they assume that they are fulfilling the roles and responsibilities of the job. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's kind of like when we build product and assume that the customer is going to be okay with the product and love it. You can't assume that. You need to have clear KPIs that are non, 
that are non-subjective. And you need to have those touch points where you're constantly checking and measuring your progress and performance. Just like when we build products in the digital world, we have to keep testing them and getting feedback from customers at multiple touch points. Um, so I encourage you to do those two things and really get good at storytelling and um, articulating, you know, your big wins because maybe that's not happening as well. Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna go back to the, to the cheap advertisement real quick on the board. <laughs> <laughs> We're shameless. <laughs> exactly shameless plug but um we can do that right so totally. uh, the reason why it's important the reason why again this book was created and i'm gonna th hope it doesn't cover up uh not a uh when i put it up there but the reason for it is to do exactly what she said she said you know put down your wins track your wins so the book actually does that it allows you uh to track all your pro your projects and performance and value so now that clarifies whether or not you know for sure all right, I'm, I'm performing, but I'm still getting overlooked or something's going wrong. Maybe it is my relationships because mm -hmm. all the projects that are given to me, um, I'm getting done. Right. Uh, so but I'm still not having the success I want. Well, then you need to have those those conversations be like, what's going on? And it could be the relationship piece. If you're that individual contributor, head down, just executing, mm -hmm. and they need something, well, I need you to move up. If you're going to get promoted, you need to be a people person in the next role. You need to be able to communicate, present, you know, collaborate, draw people together. And you don't have that skill set. You know, that book can help you kind of separate that because you know you're performing, but there's an element that's missing. So great, great, great point on that. So enough of the cheap plug, but thank you. <laughs> so we, we, we're coming up on time. I want to give you, um, uh, share, share with us some more, some, some major tips that you see, um, that we need to look out for when it comes to making that decision. Should we stay or should we go, especially now? Cause again, it is, it, the climate of the market is, is tough, right? People are getting scared. Yeah. People are getting yeah. scared and worried. Um, so they, they got to know, do I hang on too long, even though I hate it here? Do I wait to Q1 of 2023? Hopefully it gets better. What are some things we should be looking out for and consider? Yeah, so I, I definitely empathize with what people are going through. Um, but I'll tell you all that I actually was in, a, in probably one of the worst, you know, economic downturns um, in, in many years around... 2007, 2008, when we had that big crash and we were literally working on financial, basically projects where banks were preparing for failure, complete failure and, and recession. Um, and there were a lot of layoffs going on. And what I'll say is that, um, you know, part of the reason the recession happened is because a lot of these tech companies were booming because our consumption when it comes to technology skyrocketed. We're sitting at home ordering stuff on Amazon, you know, going on Facebook, Instagram all day. So, I mean, <laughs> who do you think works behind the scenes? People, right? So they had to hire a lot of people and they started gambling with products that they wanted to build, these big companies. Um, and so now, you know, things are sort of more stable. The government has increased the interest rate in order to curb the huge hike in prices um, to normalize things. And um, also, 
um, you know, companies like Amazon, you know, Meta, etc., uh, realize that, oops, we totally got, you know, overly excited and um, over, you know, estimated, you know, our performance. And we hired a whole bunch of people that we probably shouldn't have hired. Correct. Is people make mistakes. These are humans who make the decisions, right? So when you hear all of this stuff around tech layoffs and get really scared, please focus on the fact that most of these companies are large, you know, companies and think of the silver lining. This creates opportunities for competitors who may be smaller to actually create, you know, better cultures and for you to actually, you know, join these companies. The other thing I'll say is I actually have a lot of clients who are getting jobs right now. Um, so if you always focus on being competitive, no matter how tough the market is going to be, you're always going to be a top player. When I was at Deloitte, they were going through massive layoffs and Deloitte is a pretty solid company. Like, mm -hmm projects with top clients. And I kept my job because I was performing very well. And the people who were being laid off were the underperformers. This is how a company lays people off. They're going to keep their top players and they'll lay off the people who have been hiding and um, who haven't been pulling their weight. And sure, there are times, you know, where even people who are high performers get laid off, but your chances are going to be a lot lower if you're willing to have great relationships with the people around you, because no one wants to work with people who annoy them. And the layoff can be a great excuse to lay you off if you've been arguing with them. Right. <laughs> um, oh my God, what a perfect excuse. It's like going on a date and, oh, my stomach hurts. I gotta go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right um and um get really good like you know on on being up to date with your personal brand um on your linkedin on your resume so that you can also get poached and so that if something happens just like you need to have money in your savings account um you can do you can you can have a you can hit the ground running and apply for jobs Awesome. Awesome. Well, we are definitely coming up at the top of the hour, uh, Nada, and I want to lay, uh, leave this remaining time to tell folks where they can follow you, get more of your content, work with you. How do they reach out to you? Um, best way to reach out to me is um, through LinkedIn. So definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. I love getting DMs from people. Sometimes I get a variety of DMs like, oh, I watched your training and oh my goodness, it really helped me. And I got a, got an offer or, um, I saw this post, you know, I really liked it. I love, you guys have no idea how much I love getting those messages. So don't be a stranger and, you know, send me a message. Um, sometimes I also like getting questions because that helps me sort of serve you all and create content that aligns with, with your needs. Um, I have live sessions that go on on Tuesdays at 7 PM, um, Eastern, um, also, I offer people, especially people who are going through layoffs, a free one-on-one 20-minute coaching session. So this is open to anyone. You can go on my website and you can um, click on the free career diagnosis um, and fill out what it is that you want to talk about with me. And then we can uh, chat. So those are just two ways to basically um, connect with me. And it's nadabuhendi.com. That's my website. 
Awesome. 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 Absolutely appreciate you. Love everything you talked about. We had a phenomenal audience and engagement here. So uh, folks, continue to follow Nada uh, in her content. Uh, you will see, well, watch her story. Go, again, go to her website and watch her story. You can read about it. It's on the website as well. But watch her journey and, and see how she, you know, she came out of the ashes and is just thriving as a as a master career coach, you know, uh, helping folks uh, like you in this transition time and even post that. Right. So thank you again. Any last parting words of encouragement you want to share with the folks? Oh my God, like just really don't give up and advocate for yourself. I mean, I just saw that message about, you know, going, coming in as an immigrant and feeling like, you know, had to stay longer. Oh, that, you know, stuff hits me in the heart, being an immigrant myself. Um, I'm really about helping people break through these barriers. Mm -hmm. um, I help people transition to a variety of careers. And the one thing that I, that I really take the, to heart is when I hear someone saying, oh, I, they told me that I can't do this and I can't do that because I'm a particular age or a particular color. And that stuff makes me boil mm -hmm. and makes me angry. And I go all in, you know, helping people to break those stereotypes. So, you know, always advocate for yourself. And if you ever feel like you're in a situation that doesn't serve you, honestly, it really is not worth it. Life is short. Life is so short. I know people who have lost their lives, you know, in the past year, went through illnesses. It is not worth it. So always, always, always don't stay in a situation that doesn't serve you. And we're going to leave it at that, folks. So thank you for tuning in. Follow Nada, and we'll catch you next week. Hold on, Nada. We'll talk in the background. But, folks, we'll catch you next week. God bless and continue success.